So I want to talk about the Bride of Christ today. Um, and um, yeah, I, I, you know, it's that, it's that, you know, it's that longing love that we're already, you know, what Ginny wonderfully prayed just a few moments ago. Um, and even though some of those songs, and I feel like, you know, I feel, you know, I'm doing a talk here, but sometimes, you know, like prayers and, and worship and just capturing those songs just captures the heart so much better. And I think, you know, you suddenly feel like doing a talk and going through things and stuff just sometimes doesn't always quite capture it. But I'm, gonna, I'm just going to really have a go at um, uh, us looking at, so this recurring theme that, that that's throughout the um, the New Testament of of us being the, the the bride of Christ this this invitation to be uh, his uh, his own um, and you know the importance of knowing him as Jesus as our bridegroom um, and you know the, the treasuring the invitation that he, he has given us um, uh, to be his, to be his bride. Um, and the and the utmost importance for our walk ahead, you know, all these days, every day is precious right now, you know, in that kind of sobering in some ways, you know, the sobering thing of, you know, making ourselves ready for him, you know, that we are a, a body that is ready for him, you know, a, a pure spotless bride, and you know, we're relating to a bridegroom uh, uh, who, who is love. You know, it's not he loves, he is love. And, you know, he's done everything to make the way for that to be possible. You know, that invitation for us to be possible. You know, that he's, um, he's done all of that on, that on the cross, all of that you know, putting aside all the things that, where we've gone astray, um, you know, all of that is being settled and dealt with so that there is a way for us to even, you know, to receive that invitation and know that, you know, the invitations come out, come out to us and we, you know, we can't just go, oh, uh, you know, that's not for me. I don't qualify for that or anything like that. It's, the invitation is there. And it's, and it's like, not only that, even when we do have that invitation before us, it like it ha- continues to help us to prepare. You know, heaven is maneuvering around to help us to to be to be to make ourselves ready. It's just you know we have free will, um, and we we've, we've got to do our part. And if we're willing, you know, heaven, him, and you know, all that is. Um, you know, righteous and desiring is, is, is going to help us come to that place of that wonderful, you know, time, you know, of a marriage where we come, come and be united with him. And the invitation, you know, the invitation is, is to all mankind. So this is, you know, the, this is a part of the good news. Um, you know, it's not just to one of us. It's not like, you know, we make it personal in some ways, and it, and it should be, you know, He's, he's my bridegroom and all that kind of thing. You know, here am I, gentleman, saying these things. But, um, but, you know, but, it's, but the other thing is, is that it's, it's very corporate. It's very much a we as a, as a whole community. And, 
you know, language is interesting, isn't it? Because when we do talk in terms of things that are of, of a collective nature, they, they are they're sort of done in the feminine, if you know what I mean. So, you know, we talk about cities or, or places or even the earth, they're, they're in the feminine. You know, and in, this, in, in the same way, the, the body, uh, you know, the, the people of the gathering of God that are true, truly make themselves prepared is, 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 a, is the bride of Christ. Um, so I really want to kind of look at this more and more, you know, as, uh, you know through this talk. Um, so I want to first of all kind of look at, you know, what, what, does it, what does she look like? I'm going to try and steer away from the word church for quite a, quite a lot, so I'm just going to be talking in terms of, you know, um, groupings um, or gatherings before God. Uh, and one of them that, you know, Paul talks a lot about in, in his epistles is um, the body of Christ. So, you know, in, in Romans uh, 12, verse 4, it, it reads, um, you, know, you can go to it if you, if you wish, um, but it reads, for just as we are many members in one body, all the members do not have the same function. Uh, so we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. So this, you know, this is one, as- one aspect we can, we can see here that you know, we're the, his very body. Um, and, you know, this then touches upon a kind of a mystery when you think in terms of, you know, the kind of bride and bridegroom uniting together because, you know, one of the things that's first said is about the two becoming one flesh. Um, and, you know, the fact that we've got this integration already, you know, the fact that the, we, as a, we as a people called to be the body of Christ, called to be, you know, becoming his nature, becoming his reflection on the earth, you know, starting to look like him, is all part of that unification as a, as a, as a bride and groom, you know, two becoming one flesh. So it's a, it's a, it's a part of that. You know, Paul often talks about in, in the epistles of uh, being in Christ, with Christ. Um, you know, John, uh, who, you know, wrote the gospel as well as um, a few, few of the letters as well, you know, speaks in terms of things like abi- abiding or remaining in Christ. And, um, you know, so we can see that it's all about developing a relationship with Jesus, both individually and corporately. You know, making him our number one in our lives um, and our gatherings. You know, making him centre of what we do, what we're about. And um, and it's also about becoming Jesus in every, becoming like Jesus in every way. So you know that we are truly this body. You know, him at him at the centre, and but also becoming like him. You know, Paul speaks in one place, I think in Galatians, and he says, you know, I'm laboring with you until Christ is formed in, 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 in you. So it was like, you know, speaking to Galatians in that case. But, um, you know, that was his desire to see in a body of people, you know, Christ being, being seen and manifest. So there's one aspect that we can, we can see that, you know, it's very much Jesus making himself manifest around the, around the earth um, in, in a body of people. And this, and this you know, this is quite, it's 
typical, isn't it, in the sense that, you know, you've got a husband and wife, if one of them's not there or the other, they, you know, one is representing the family or another to, to some circumstance or another. And so in this case, you know, the bride is very much presenting herself as, you know, representing Jesus on the earth at this, at the, at this point, showing, continuously showing her longing affections towards him um, and, you know, pointing to his return. Um, but, you know, as that unification happens, and we'll look, at, look in the future in, in a moment, but, you know, that unification happens, and then, you know, what are the jobs going out from there? You know, it's like she'll be an ambassador to, to the worlds beyond and so forth. Um, again, you know, speaking as one flesh, um, being the nature of Jesus in every way. But let's have a look at another picture, which is in, uh, which is in um, Ephesians 2, uh, and I'll read from verse 19, and it says, So then you're no longer strangers and aliens, but fellow citizens with the saints, and are of the, uh, God's household, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. You know, to be, to be a place, to be, you know, very much at the centre of a place where God is seeking to dwell, you know, it's a, it's a tremendous honour. Um, and... We'll come back to that more later. The the you know the, the fact that God's God's dwelling is amongst us. But I want to just highlight something here, which is that you know note the note the fact that we talked first first part of that um, uh, that you know set of verses was talking about you being part of a, a body of people, part of a um, you know coming into the household of God. But then it sort of ends with um, describing you as being part of that very structure. So there is a kind of interchangeability um, that you'll see in a number of the um, uh, sort of verses that we look at between, um, you know, you're part of that building and in it, and you're, you're very much the heart and the spirit of it, but you're also the very foundations and the, you know, the sort of architecture of it. Um, and, you know, this, this is a continuously um, interchangeable thing that, that we'll see. Um, Peter also had a similar picture uh, in 1 Peter 2, verse 4. And he says, In coming to him as a living stone, which has been rejected by men, but is a choice and precious in the sight of God, you also, as living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house for, for a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. You know, Peter later in that chapter talks about we being a royal peace, priesthood. And, um, ah, one, sorry, 1 Peter 2, verse 4. Sorry, I, I, um, I raced on. I do apologize. Um, 
Yes, just read it again. So in 1 Peter 2, verse 4, it says, And coming to him as a living stone, which has been rejected by men, but is choice and precious in the sight of God, you also as living stones are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So you see again, we've got this, again, with a, with a very fab- fabrics of the temple of God that's being built up here. Um, and he talks as being, of being living stones. But also, Peter, as I said, uh, talks of, of us being that, that, that priesthood itself, the royal priesthood. Um, and in the book of Hebrews, it often talks about Jesus being the high priest. And so, you know, different perhaps to you know, colleagues at work and, you know, people around the world. We do, we do these things like pray. We do these things like worship, you know, worship with God. We, we do these things like, um, that, that might seem quite strange to, to, to everyone else, really. But, you know, it's that, it's that priestly part. It's that, it's that natural occupation of our, what we do is that, you know, we'll, we recognize the King of Kings, a, a, a God of creator of all all the earth and and we're about business same business of of our you know our bridegroom who's the high priest you know we're about the same occupation of ministering to god um you know creating that place as as he's promising and saying he's coming to dwell with amongst us and so again you know we're, we're we're part of the ministering of that as well as being the very fabric of it So we'll come back to sort of the architectural, the sort of externalities um, uh, a bit more later. Um, but I want to kind of really kind of come back to the inward, the you know, heart of it, you know, come back to that picture of you, the, the fact that, you know, we're bride, you know, having our affections towards a bridegroom and, you know, our, our beloved is, and... Um, you know, it's all about our heart, you know, our making him our number one. And, you know, if we look at uh, Mark 12, verse 28, we know this, we know this very well, but, you know, it's this sort of, it's a, you know, it's a foundation stone to everything, really. And it says, well, one of the scribes came and heard, heard them arguing, and, Jesus, and recognizing that, that he had answered them well, so this was a conversation that Jesus was having with many, um, and asked him, what, is, what commandment is the foremost of all? And Jesus answered, the foremost is, is hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is, is one Lord, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second is this, you should love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Just think about the, you know, it says, you know, all, your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. It's kind of like trying to eek, 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 you know, trying to kind of get it at every angle. Um, you know, it, it's like, 
we need to be able to kind of love in our own unique way because we're all made differently, you know, but it's something that then means that we are, it's truly authentic from us. It's like, it's like you start with a command, but we, we want to, you know, we're commanded to do this, but, you know, it's, we need to take it from there, make it our own, make it our lifestyle, make it a way of life. It's like, it's, it becomes us and you know it will have everything about our um, character and personality in it mixed in with you know rather than a command or a way to love or a way to express it or something you know mirrored in someone else because we're all different and we all have a different way of expressing and 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 doing it so I just feel like when when we when he says you know um, you know, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, there is, there's dimensions that are coming out of that. There's dimensions of, um, for each of us. And, you know, for each time that we all come together in different ways and stuff, that there'll be dimensions of, it, of this expression, of, of fulfilling these commands. Um, so, that, you know, that's where we want to sort of pull out of, 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 this, of, these, of these verses. It, but obviously it's, you know, it's the very foundation of, of the, the bride's, um, you know, it's rooted in her. She's being, she's being taken, um, uh, she's being, you know, her affections are being gra- grappled by the Lord already, but it's then sort of going deeper and deeper into her. It's all part of that preparation. It's all part of that readiness. Um, it's all part of her being motivated to make herself ready, yeah? It comes from the foundation of, love, of loving the Lord with all the heart. But we know it's not easy. It's not easy to kind of keep maintaining our affections. We keep getting, you know, there are like distractions, temptations. Um, there's, there's just kind of the everyday business of, busiest of life. There's there's things that sort of get in the way. Um, you know, there are times where you just have that kind of simplicity with the Lord, and you think, "Well, I can't just stay in that place." You know, but then <laughs> you get onto something else and something, and you know, it's uh, this distraction or that distraction. And then, so I want to consider what. What Paul was writing in um, so Second Corinthians um, chapter eleven from the beginning, uh, Paul writes this, and he says, "I wish you would bear with me in a little foolishness, but indeed you are bearing with me, for I am jealous with you with a godly jealousy, for I betrothed you to one husband, so that so that to Christ I might present you as a." as a pure virgin. But I'm afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. For if one comes and preaches another Jesus who we have not preached, or you receive a different spirit which you have not received, or a different gospel which you have not accepted, you bear this beautifully. So, you know, rather probably Paul paints this bridal picture here, um, you know, talking of 
the Corinthian church. Um, but, he, but he's highlighting problems of deception and false teaching that's happening. So, you know, these... They, this was a church that probably had a few years of Paul teaching to them, you know, many... Um, you know, the passion of Paul on everything would have been right there. Um, and yet, you know, this is, this is a people that are from our Greek culture and, and so forth and, and all sorts of things. And, you know, um, and there's many kind of criticisms that Paul says in a number of the uh, Corinthian letters, uh, you know, they were kind of immature and so forth. Um, but, you know, it's seeing that seeing that it's an easy distract you know they, they can easily get taken by these different teachings and stuff and you know it's not only just the Corinthian letters it's many of these epistles where you know there are these there's this teaching or that false teaching that comes in and it's distracting and, and luring them away from from their kind of pure devotion to 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 Christ as he says and um You know, we, we need to be kind of wary of all the time. You know, we need to kind of keep making the main thing the main thing. Um, we need to keep sort of um, wary of things that just kind of, you know, a shortcut or something that kind of appeases, appeases our kind of flesh or our pride or, 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 or something that, you know, one thing or another that can just takes us off track. Um, because you know it was it was happening right from the beginning, and so we've got, we've got two thousand years of of history of you know things going off in the wrong direction, and you know this is very evident um, in the you know the uh, the account in the seven churches of Revelation in, in chapter two. Um, it's worth going going here, going to to chapter two in of Revelation. I'm just going to sort of highlight the um, some of the key as key um, things that Jesus highlights. So Jesus is talking to John, and and he's asking, you know, he's, he's writing, he's asking him to write letters to seven churches that are in Asia. Um, as you, a lot of you might well know, you know, there's a number of ways of looking at these. You know, there were seven churches uh, in that day, but they also, the order of it and the way in which you can read them does suggest that there also is some sort of, um, you know, one follows the next and so forth. Um, but just, you know, to have a, have a look at each of them. You know, Ephesus, um, in verse 4, it says, but I have this against you, that you have left your first love. You know, so what what what's what's you know, that's like kind of the, the very heart of when you look into the bridal picture, you know, left left the love of the bridegroom. Like, what is she actually gonna you know, get to the altar, as it were. Um, you know, if you've left the first love. Smyrna in two verse um, two verse ten, 
Um, be faithful unto death and I will give you a crown of life. So in this case, it's not a, it's not a criticism, but an encouragement. You know, that, and, and this is a key thing, really, isn't it? Because we need to hold on to that first love. We need to hold on to our affections um, with everything we've got because, you know, the Samaritan question may well be a real one. You know, be faithful unto death. Pergamon, in verse 14, it reads, I have a few things against you because you have some who hold to the teaching of Balaam, who kept, the teacher, uh, kept teaching Balak to put a stumbling block before the sons of Israel and to eat things sacrificed to idols and to commit acts of immorality. So you also have some who, in the same way, hold to the teaching of the Lycanaitans. So I'm not going to go into the detail of what, what those all mean, but essentially false teaching uh, that's, that's bringing about error and, and corruption. And so, that, you know, here is, here's, a, here's a body of people that, that you know, got a fall into deception here, and it's a, it's a call, it's a rebuke to bring them back. And again, in, um, in Faratara, it potentially goes even worse. In verse 20, it says, But I, I have this against you, that you tolerate this woman Jezebel, who calls herself a, pre- a prophetess, and she teaches and leads my bond servants astray, so they commit acts of immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. So it's not only... Um, so again, I'm not going to go into the detail of what, of what that all is about, but you know, it looks like it's gone one stage further. Not only is it about accepting teaching, but it's, it's like a toleration of, of, of you know, basically e- evil things going on in the very, very body uh, of, of that church. And then we go to Sardis, if you go to um, chapter 3. Yeah, the ver- on verse 1, it says, I, uh, He who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars says this, I know your deeds, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. And the sober thing with that one is that even, you know, you go on, it almost, you know, it says, if you carry on like this, you're going to be wiped out of the book of life. Um, But it gets better with Philadelphia, much better. In, in verse 11, it says, I'm coming quickly, hold fast to what you have so that you will not take your crown. So, but but it, they're commended much earlier to say, you know, that they, you know, they've shown love and demo- devotion to God and, you know, they're commended for it. But then they are spoken about saying, you know, called to then hold on to what they've got. So again, we're back to that. The same with Smyrna. It's like stand firm, uh, you know, in the in the in the, in the faith unto death. In this case, it's hold on to what you've got. You know, hold on to that. You know, first love. You know, it's holding on to that affections for the Lord. It's you know, it's holding on to everything that you can. Um, that's, you know, you hold dear in the Lord. Um, and sadly, you've got then Laodicea in verse 15. And it's probably even potentially the worst because it says, I know your deeds, that you're neither hot and cold. 
I wish you were, you were cold or hot. Because you are lukewarm, you're neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Because you say I am rich and you have come and, and have become wealthy and have need of nothing. And you do not know that you're wretched, miserable, poor, blind and naked. And, you know, I have need of nothing. Well, <laughs> you know, do you want, are you actually wanting to get married? <laughs> are you actually wanting to, you know, <laughs> you wanting to meet the Lord? You know, it's, it's got to that point, isn't it, where, you know, it's the, it's the complete independence. And so, um, you know, maybe with some of the others, they've got error, that they, uh, you know, they've gone off track and letting things happen, giving way and stuff. But we've got to some one point in a, in a in a church where they're just saying, well, we don't even need the Lord. We just we just sort of have Him in name, and and then we just do our own, you know, our own thing. And so. You could, you know, you could look at those as, um, you know, each one follows the other, and and you know, there's a bit of kind of recovery and and rebuke again, and in some ways, you know, that could that's the story of church history um, in many respects, um, but you know, it's a piece of picture of you know, a journey of warnings and rebuke when feigning into falling into deception and temptation, but it's an encouragement when we're on the right path. And, you know, as I said before, you know, it's, 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 it's like a journey and we just need to treasure those beautiful moments. Um, you know, we need to hold those things that did, that we've, those beautiful moments that we've had with the Lord, you know, kind of remembering like, you know, when we first got saved, you know. But we've, we've had moments since then. You know, and they're, they're personal to us, they're unique to us. Um, but they, the whole, they, the whole, they hold us, yeah. They, they just get so they're so deep that they. That's what motivates us, yeah. It mo- moves us, because um, otherwise, we just get lured. We get lured by this or that, and we get, you know, we might look at these, you know, seven churches and go, yeah, it's not, it's, yeah, I, I'm, it's not going to be me, you know, I'm fine, you know. You just, if you haven't got the Lord as, as your number one. You know, if it's not this, it'll be something else. But they all lead somewhere else, and that's the problem. So, you know, again, yeah, sort of remembering those intimate moments. So I want to, want to consider this intimate moment that, we, uh, that the disciples had with, with Jesus, you know, close to his departure. So if you go to John John chapter 14, verse 1. And he says this, Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe in me. Or believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would not have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also, and you know the way I am going. After that, actually, um, I think one of the disciples says, where are you going? I don't know where you're going. Uh, and then, and then, uh, but then Jesus then goes on to explain that he is the way. Um, 
And so, and this was an intimate moment with the faithful, faithful disciples. So Judas had left by then. So this was like, you know, a truly intimate time. And, you know, Jesus then paints this picture of, you know, it's like a glory, you know, it's, it's like heading to a glorious destination, you know, a place being prepared. And um, I suppose it's like, you know, I've, no, I've not really, I'm surprised I've not read it actually, but, you know, Pilgrim's Progress, isn't it? You know, the, you know, the road to, to, to the city of God. And, you know, life is a journey. And this is the other kind of picture I want to have, you know, and if you like, you know, a bridal path, as it were. Um, <laughs> and, um, you know, think about what it, said, it says in Hebrews. Um, so, you know, when we think about this journey towards the destination, um, in Hebrews 11, uh, if you go to it, it's talking about Abraham. And it's really strange that it says what it says because it sort of seems to come out of nowhere. So it's talking about sort of faith, the faithfulness of, of um, you know, um, a number of, um, number of folk all the way up to Abraham and then on beyond. But then in, in verse 8 it says, By faith Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place which he was to receive for inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. <coughs> By faith he lived as an alien in the land of profit, promise, as in a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of, heirs of the same promise. And then suddenly it says, For he was looking for a city which has, founda has foundations, whose architect and builder was God. So... Um, you know, the writer of Hebrews has got some inside knowledge on on Abraham's intent because I, I can't recall can't recall in Genesis it, it's sort of talking about that, but it, it it's an it's an amazing so you know you've got this picture of you know Abraham sojourning around around this foreign world if you know what I mean, but he's looking for um, a city who's has foundations and whose architect is the builder is God. And it's not only Abraham, for, but it's for all those who died in the faith. Because a little later, so in verse 13, it says, All these died in faith without receiving the promises, but having seen them, have welcomed them from a distance, and having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For those who say such things make it clear that they were seeking a country of their own. And indeed, if they had been thinking of that country from which they went out, they would have had the opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. So, you know, recording again... We as a body of people, body of Christ, you know, temple of God, those living stones, priesthood, it's kind of building to something, building to something. And we'll come back to this city that Abraham and 
you know, many before him had in sight. But I wanted us to think about this pathway, think about these kind of, um, you know, uh, routes to it or elsewhere potentially. And um, I want to look at Matthew chapter 7, verse 13. And it reads like this. It says, Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is for the for the gate for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who enter through it. For the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life, and there are few who find it. So, you know, narrow and upwards. Is the, is, the, is the bridle path, as I like to call it. But wide and easy are all others. But where are they leading to? Where are all these others? Not, not that we really want to focus or go down them, but where, where are they leading to? I would suggest it's to another, it's another city. Um, which is which is said to if not if not already but soon is, is which is to reign over the kings of the earth um, and this city is spoken about in Revelation 18 so in verse 1 it says in Revelation 18 after these things I looked and I saw another angel coming down from heaven having the great authority, and the earth was illumined with his glory. And he cried out with a mighty voice, saying, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She has become a dwelling place of demons and a prison of unclean spirit, and a prison of every unclean and hateful bird. For all the nations have drank the wine of her passion and immorality, and the kings of the earth committed acts of immorality with her. And the merchants of the earth have become rich by, by the wealth of her sensuality. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of, my, of her, my people, so that you will not participate in her sins and receive her plagues. For her sins have piled up as high, as high as heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. I would suggest that this is the other destination for, for Rose. You know, the saying that and I'm not saying Rome is Babylon, but I'm just saying all roads lead to Rome. You know, the, that's probably a, a word to say to, you know, of good, good engineering of, of roads rather than anything else. But, um, you know, there's something about the ease and simplicity that, that goes uh, to another place, a city that wants to, you know, you can imagine how cities work, um, you know, you have you have that kind of center. You know, you have the sort of fields on the outside around, and you know, in some ways, you know, much of history was like city states, and they, you know, they function quite well and everything like that. And you know, you've got sort of a completeness when it comes to a city in terms of everything that you need in a, in, you know, in, in modern life, as it were. Um, you know, in the case of Babylon here, I'm not, I'm not looking to start identifying, 
you know, this city or that city, as, as Babylon, but ultimately it's, it's, a, it's one that sits uh, and you know, reigns over the kings of the earth, as it, as it says in the end of chapter 17. Um, so it could be, you know, it could be a power structure that, that sits over many cities. Um, you know, and note, and note what it says about the fact that it's every unclean spirit, every, every hateful bird, you know, in the, in the, in the economy of God, in, every, in the, you know, the nature of God of, of seeking to bring about judgment and to bring about, you know, the removing of, of evil and so forth, you can see that Babylon is, is this kind of vacuum cleaner of, of all that is evil. You know, it's like they all find residence in, in her in the end. And, you know, and in some ways that's a heartwarming thought because then it means those outside Babylon, you know, there's no, there's no longer any of those unclean, hateful birds. So it's all... You know, there's a there's a separation going on as part of God's God's work um, uh, to 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 judge evil and to and to bring it to an end. Um, you know, and, and and note the fact that it says about um, the call to, for the people to come out of her, my people. He said, you know, my people, and. You know, so there's a work to be done to deliver people out of God. Because, you know, if we look, if we align that with the, um, you know, the previous um, uh, verses in in Matthew, where it's talking about, you know, the narrow gate and only a few going through it, and then the, the other one being wide. Um, you know, it's in the heart of God that, uh, well, you know, whilst whilst that's narrow and only few come through, his heart, you know, his heart is for, you know many to come to him and so you know there's a deliverance work that needs to be done for for bringing people out of babylon for being and you know it starts with us now not going down that road or you know to the extent that babylon has its tentacles in our lives and stuff like that uh, i'm not really wanting to go into the detail of that you know i don't want to keep it to sort of you know the heartstrings of everything, um, but you know it's very much going to be God's heart to be getting delivering people out of out of out of her clutches, as, as it were, so that they're on that narrow path. Um, and I, you know, I'm hopeful that that narrow path has many, you know, roads that come back into it because, you know, if you go off in some direction and you know there's a way back. So, you know, it's part of God's heart of deliverance to, to, to bring many to him. If you just go um, a chapter before, and we just see the fate of this, this heart, it just says in, in, in Revelation 17, 15, and he said to me, the waters that you saw, saw where, the, where, the harlot, uh, where the harlot sits, uh, where the harlot sits are peoples, multitudes, nations, and tongues, and the ten horns which you saw, and the beast. These will hate the harlot and make her desolate and naked, and eat her flesh and burn her up with fire. Um, we're not going to go into anything about what the 
you know, the, the horns and the, ten, the B star are here, but, um, you know, suffice to say, you know, in the end, <laughs> it's the enemies of God that destroy her. Um, you know, Babylon, inspired by the enemy, you know, essentially before the flood, you know, with the sons of God coming down, you know, in, in their uh, thinking, there would have been the, the mind of Babylon um, to build Babylon was there. And, you know, you, you then have shortly after the flood, very shortly, well, um, certainly in terms of when you read Genesis, um, you know, quickly they're building ba Babel, you know, which is this, uh, you know, let's build something, let's build a city without God, yeah? So God's got it in our hearts to build a city that's where he's going to dwell. But this, this counterfeit, this, this other city is, um, you know, it's a building of a, um, uh, you know, a building of a great edifice um, without God, you know, and that started, you know, that was with Babel and, and it, you know, the desire is again. Um, you know, the enemies, the enemies clearly uh, reject her and destroy her, you know, no, no, it's no longer becomes of use, you know, for, for a period of time, Babylon is useful to you know, the mind of the enemy and then at some point when the de deception is sufficient and, and, and so forth she is no more and then, you know, she's, she's rejected. But at the same time that Babylon is just dis destroyed, if you go over, go over to chapter 19 and it reads from verse 1, it says after these things I heard like a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven saying hallelujah salvation and glory and power belong to our God because his judgments are true and righteous for he has judged the harlot this is Babylon who was corrupt in the earth with her immorality and he has avenged the blood of his bondservants on her and a second time they said hallelujah her smoke rises up forever and I think just you know before we just go on with this but um, you know, just want to highlight the fact that there is this celebration in her downfall. Because, and the thing is, is that, you know, in her is, is the blood, you know, it's the, it's the, the martyrs, you know, the, the blood of martyrs, the blood of people who have been hold firm to Jesus. And, you know, that kind of says something a lot about what this, you know, what this city, this structure, this system, this mindset is it's very much you know it will um it will seek to persecute and to um be aggressive and 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 you know kill the people of god people that you know that want god to dwell amongst us so you know it's a, it's a polar opposite and so the celebration in heaven you know is going on because you know her very nature was to was to was to was to destroy um, God's people. Um, you know, it's like our righteous in, um, vengeance. You know, and the fact that it's the blood of the prophets of all prophets. And, you know, blood of the, you know, it says the blood of the prophets of the saints who, who were slain on the earth. 
you know, it, doesn't, it may not necessarily say every, but it, 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 it seems to be quite far-reaching. And so you can say that, well, Babylon in its nature and its strength and its power, it's, it's, it's existed, you know, you know, since Babel, I suppose, you know, in, in, in you know, empires, it's manifested itself in many ways. So it is that, you know, it's, it's that opposes God that would want, would have a problem, you know, a simple way, you know, a dictator or something that says, you know, you know there's no other God apart from me. You know, that, that, that is a very blatant agent of, of Babylon, if you know what I mean. And, you know, uh, his, his arm, you know, if that's just a tentacle, that, you know, there it is. His, his, his power is coming into, into that system. So when we say, you know, what is Babylon? Well, it's massive, it's far and wide. It wants to seek up all, you know, all streams of martyrdom blood go her way. Um, but let's not dwell on that anymore. Let's focus on the other city. And it goes on in uh, 19 verse 4. And the 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshipped God who sits on the throne saying, Amen, Hallelujah. And a voice came from the throne saying, Give praise to our God, all you bond servants, you who fear him, small and great. And I heard something like the voice of a great multitude and like the sound of many waters and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. It was given to her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and clean. For the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. So here we are, you know, here it is. At the same time as Babylon's, put it, Babylon's destroyed, there is this marriage that takes place. And, you know, again, it's kind of remind ourselves it's... Um, you know, it's, it's an invitation that is before us, um, you know, to be a part of that, you know, to be part of that day, um, you know, to be part of, you know, to be the centerpiece of that great occasion, you know. John's seen it kind of from afar, you know, well, he's seen it, you know, he's sort of getting a sort of picture. He doesn't actually, you know, he's not even actually documenting the wedding himself. Hopefully it's because John's in there, being wedded too, you know, I, I would suggest. But, um, uh, you know, and again, that, that reminded to ourselves that, you know, it's, it's, it's our free will to be a part of it. But, you know, the fact that it says it's given to her, clothe, clothe herself with fine linen, you know, we do our part, but heaven's going to help, help us, you know. Again, you know, we've got the provision of what God has done on the cross and stuff and you know we just keep reminding ourselves that nothing can separate us from him nothing, nothing needs to be getting in the way of us being a part and centre of, 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 of this and you know just to kind of cap it off in Revelation 21 it says then I saw a new heaven and a new earth and the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there was no longer any sea. 
And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from heaven, from God, made ready as a bride, adorned for a husband. And so here we go, you know, this is this city now manifest. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell among them. And they, they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning, crying, or pain. The first things have passed away. And later, later uh, a, just to kind of <laughs> evident that the marriage has taken place, you know, it says, come and see you know, the wife of the Lamb. But the, you know, this is the place where God then chooses to dwell. So it's you know, it's that completion, it's that final bit. You know, all that all that separated previously, all that kind of trickery, all those kind of roads elsewhere, have now passed away. You know, and that was what, you know, Abraham and those others were were seeing. That's what they they must have had in their minds. You know, and. Um, you know, we've got we've got the opportunity to be right in the centre of it all. So, just in conclusion, just want to just say, well, how you know, in that journey, you know, treasure those counts with the Lord. You know, see them as kind of anchors into a, into you know, step by step. That you know, make it your own. Make it you know, whilst the whilst the relation is personal and the and the and the and and the you know, it's up to us individually. Um, you know, it is a corporate thing as well. So, you know, encourage, encourage the, the bride, you know, the company. Encourage us, each other, to, to you know, we, we need to cheer each other on. Um, you know, know that Jesus is pursuing you, yeah? Do not... We just need to have our hearts set on him, but know that he's pursuing us. Yeah? It's like, it's a mutual thing. You know, it's nurturing that relationship within. You know, after all, he's, he's our beloved. Um, you know, have those greatest commandments grounded in us. Um, do not lose it or let it go cold. Um, yeah, and then just, you know, to be aware of Babylon, you know, her reach is far and wide. You know, watch out for that her seduction, deception, and temptations. Keep the main thing the main thing. Um, yeah. Bless you. Yeah. Bless you.